sometimes you're so tired you can't rest <laughs> it's almost like you're like i know i'm tired but i can't rest because my brain is moving at a thousand miles per hour i am trying to do all the things i'm trying to be a mother i'm trying to be a business owner i'm trying to rise up in the corporate ladder i'm trying to get a new job i'm trying to run a non-profit i'm trying to do 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 but i don't know how to stop my parents never my mother never modeled to me how to stop so it's how if you even if you don't know how to listen to your body i encourage you to start noticing fierce lab is a podcast series for women It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated, No one has it all figured out, but together we can step fiercely into what's next. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fierce Lab. I am your host, Tara Wilson, and today I'm joined by Emifa Boema. She is a grounded healer and master facilitator, and for those who attended Fierce Lab Live in October... You will remember her as one of our guest panelists. You will remember that Emifa took us through a beautiful grounding experience at the beginning of Fierce Lab Live. And Emifa, I have to tell you, that was such a moving moment. I have heard from so many women that attended the live event about how powerful your words were to them. So welcome and thank you for joining me on the podcast to talk about the work that you do and bringing it to a broader audience, our whole Fierce Lab community. Hello. Hello, Tara. Thank you. That means a lot to me from what people experienced at the live event. And I'm really, truly honored. Again, I think I manifested this to be with you on the podcast. <laughs> when we are going to talk about manifestation and specifically how you and I have been brought together. So let's give a little bit of background to our audience members who aren't familiar with you and your work. So you immigrated to the U.S. about 21 years ago from Ghana. And you, having come here, you have developed the work that you do based around that experience and the experiences that you've had over 21 years. And you talk about being really anchored in your values, anchored in abundance, integrity, and radical self-care. So let's talk a little bit about what it means for you to be a grounded healer. First of all, what is that? Thank you for that. So I have been here for 10 years. I marked 10 years on New Year's Day this year. And it's been quite a journey. I think my, when I say a grounded healer to me, it means that as I'm giving my gifts to the world, am I remaining grounded, tethered in the present? Am I remaining grounded to my own core values? Am I remaining grounded to my why? Because I firmly believe that if I am in alignment with my why, the how doesn't necessarily matter. 
because I trust that God, I trust that the universe will take care of the how, leading me to the who and the what. But if my why is in alignment with why I think I'm in the world, that groundedness is the space from which um, I show up as a friend, as a woman, as a person, as an embodiment coach. So that's what it means to me. As an embodiment coach, let's talk a little bit about your experience being a coach and, and working with women. So let's set the stage for that expertise and what it would mean to a woman to work with you. So let's, let's talk a bit about your background. How did you get to that place of being this coach? My goodness, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's we'll keep in mind uh, maybe maybe 45 minutes, right? Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know we could spend the entire time talking about our career paths, yes. Yeah, for me, my journey, ha- I've always believed that I'm firm, I've always firmly believed that I'm here to help women. I think regardless of where I've been in my path, there's always been something about me being having this incredible capacity to just hold space for women. So whether that is speaking or sharing my life experience or learning, like intentionally learning about something, it's always been, I don't know if I had the words to describe it, but it's always been that, okay, I'm here to help women live, really. That's it. My experience of moving from just existing to living was so profound that I'm like, okay, I've tasted this medicine. I have to tell everyone in the world that they can do it, <laughs> regardless of where they're coming from or what the experience is. So from my personal experience as a, um, with my brush with sexual abuse, physical abuse, moving um, to the United States when I was very, very much an adult. So I had a life in Ghana and then moving to a completely different continent, the culture shock learning how to be in a different space, like just being completely overwhelmed by the choices that America has given me and finding my place and thinking, okay, now I have all these opportunities. How do I take the good parts of what I've learned in Ghana, right? Who I am now, and how do I incorporate that with the experiences that I have here in the country? And it took me, it took me a while to do that because first, I had to unlearn who I was not, who I I realized that I didn't want to be. I had an activating event in April 2015 that just like flipped my entire world around. For those who know, I'm a sexual abuse survivor. And the perpetrator was having, I think, their own mid- midlife crisis and confessed to me. And I say this on my on my website. You know, when you feel something, but you can't remember, I did not remember remember it for the most part of my adult life. Well, I actually never remembered it at all. But the moment the words came out of his mouth, it was this thing. Like I remembered, I saw everything, I felt everything. And it was that moment where I was like, this, this is happening. I don't think I processed in my, my brain very well. So I had a, a few months where I was just like, okay, I'm not worth living. I'm going to do all the things. It doesn't matter what I do from this point. And then I had a moment where I was, uh, it's probably the only time where I thought that taking my life offered some kind of comfort. And as being one of my strengths is input in the strength finders, I go online, I'm like, what is the easiest way to like kill yourself? And 
a number comes up and I call them and they, they talk me through it. Even at that point, I don't think I understood the magnitude of what was happening. So when I start trauma therapy in Baltimore, all of this happened in Baltimore. And then I moved to Dallas and I put my healing on the back burner because I wanted to expand my career forward in hotel industry. And it wasn't a conscious choice. It was just like, oh, I think I'm going to be fine if I minimize all these things. And then fast forward 2018, I was in a different job. And that's when it hit me. I had another triggering event. And it was this moment that I had a conversation with like all the parts of myself, right? Like this, the inner child who's like always wants to be tended to, to be loved, to be taken care of. And then there's the outer child, which I learned from Susan Anderson from her book, Taming the Outer Child. I did not know the words to describe that, but that to me is like my adolescent self. And that the purpose of that self is to protect me no matter what, right? Think of a teenager. They want to do all the things, but they don't really have the tools and resources. Their intentions are good, but they don't really have what it takes. And then the adult self. So I had to ask myself, okay, this did happen to you, but you get to choose what you want to do. Do you want to keep, do you want to remain living like this? Or do you want to go ahead and change the path that you want to take? This fire that's always burning inside you, what do you want to do with it? Because I knew then, even though I didn't have the words that I can't pour from an, an empty cup. I can't believe that I can go out, uh, out in the world and share my experience with women if I didn't have the language to explain what was happening to me. So I went back to therapy and it was hands down the best decision I ever made. <laughs> and that's what led me here. First of all, Imitha, I want to say thank you for opening up and being vulnerable and sharing your experience and and speaking about the fact that you are a survivor of sexual assault. I know that that takes a lot of courage and that you've done a lot of work in order to be able to speak publicly about it. And I just thank you for your willingness to share this part of yourself with our audience. Can can we speak just a minute about if there is a woman out there that is suffering because of some sort of trauma, be it this or perhaps even something different, could we talk about some some resources that she could turn to? You mentioned that you Googled, unfortunately, how to take your own life, but that in that Google search came up a number to, to help you, a phone number, a crisis line. So would you touch a bit upon what a woman could do if she's experiencing that? Absolutely. Thank you first for honoring my bravery in sharing. I, I My why behind sharing is that I know statistically one in six women, they say, I think I found this on RAIN, which is one of the resources. We, I'll give you the link to go to that R-A-I-N-N. One out of six women is sexually abused before they turn 18. And for me, that's only the number of people who actually do report, right? So there's a whole slew of people who do not report for other reasons. So whether it's a big T like that or a big T trauma or a small T trauma, which most people compare that against, I was not physically abused, I was not emotionally abused, but trauma really, a body registers to the same thing, whether it's being ignored by your parents, whether it's something as big as sexual abuse that we're talking about, we experience pain the same. So the first thing that I'll say to any survivor or anyone who knows it, and I said this in the live event, is 
it is not your fault. If I could say that with emojis, I'd probably have the clapping hands and say that. <laughs> when you're in that state, it feels completely different. You have a bevy of questions that go through your mind about how you could have brought this upon yourself. And regardless of what it is, it's not your fault. So that's the first thing that I will say. The second thing that I would say is that there's always resources available that you can turn to. And another thing that I said at the live event is you do not have to share your story until you're ready to. We all process trauma differently. We all process healing differently. Some people talk about it and they heal. Some people do not. Some people do not find themselves in situations where they can talk about it for various reasons, either through their, because of their jobs, their standard society, proximity to the, the source of the trauma. So take your time and how you want to deal with that. Some of the resources that I had that I used where I mentioned RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org. I think it's like the biggest organization for sexual abuse survivors. So when you go to the website, you can choose the city you're in. You can give the zip code and it will point you to trauma specialists that are in the area. It will give you a hotline that you can call 24 hours a day. Um, seven days a week, you can always talk to a live human being. So that's my first resource. The second resource in the Dallas area is Darcy, D-A-R-C-C. The website is darcy.org. That's where I go my trauma therapy for about two-ish years, completely free. They help with actual, like processing the trauma with through talk therapy, EMDR, whatever you need. And they also help with like legal um, support as well. So if you want to report the abuser, if you want to take any steps, they have people that can walk you through that process as well. And the final one that led me to my embodiment practice actually is the Unique Foundation. So they have a, a retreat called the Haven Retreat. It's a four-day, three-night, four-day uh, workshop that they do in Utah. Absolutely beautiful. And they have female adult survivors of child sexual abuse that come there. And there's this community that is formed. The why or how the community is formed, I don't think is something that we want to rejoice. But the, the fact still remains that it's incredible support for women. You have about 21 women that have had similar um, experiences. I had people from my group from like their early 20s to their 60s, and it was the first time they were talking about their experience. And it's such a beautiful thing because they walk you through how your brain reacts to trauma, how your emotions react to trauma, how you respond, how it shows up in your life now. And then they give you the opportunity, what you want to do with that, whether you want to share it or keep it with you. I think some people in the group that, whose partners didn't even know where they were. <laughs> That's how much shame they had around it. So, And they do everything from, they work with your mind, they work with your emotions, and they work with your body. So one of the things we do there is you do like this martial arts exercise. And that for me, Tara, was the first time I even realized I was not in my body, which is so wild to me. Right. <laughs> right. Now you talk about being disconnected from your body and that your work is designed to help women reconnect with their bodies, especially if they've, you, you call it reclaiming their body, their spirit, and their truth. Exactly. Because I don't think that you can live present in this life. You can live present and choose the life you want to live if you're not present in your body. So the first thing that I try to help women with is let's let's come back here. Are you here? Who are you to begin with? Who is here? Who is living this life? 
And is this a life you want to live or is this the life that you were told to live? So by helping them reclaim their body first, we come back to center where they are. And then from there, we get to choose. Do we have the resources to work on the other aspects of our lives? Or are we just present? Are we okay being present in this moment? And there's no, there's no expectation on how to move because people heal differently on different timelines. Well, let's talk a bit about how women can be present and work through some, some things. And, and I want to set the stage that this part of our conversation is for all women, regardless of if, if you have experienced trauma or not. You know, we're, we're living in a time in our society where anxiety, burnout, depression, and this disconnection from from mind and body kind of on the ex- potentially on the extreme side, these things are all prevalent. Women are telling us that they're struggling with this. So what are some of the signs that a woman can look out for to identify that she's dealing with these issues? Thank you for laying the groundwork about this being for all women. That's very important, I think, for women to realize and identify. First of all, the, the world is still in the pandemic. <laughs> the effect of that alone on our bodies, on our minds, our emotions is, is a whole other thing that I think we could spend a lot of time talking about. For me, what I find common in my own experience and my experience with working with my friends and my clients, and that is first is the physical symptoms, right? We have some people clench their jaws. Some people have this rapid heartbeat. It's like it's anxiety or depression on the other side where you have no desire to do anything. You know, you know what you want to do. You know what you think you're supposed to do, but you just don't have the energy to get up and do it. Some people feel disconnected from, some people look at their lives and they're like, wait, I feel like I'm living someone else's life. That comes up a lot, right? Because they're like, how did I, how did I get to this point where I'm married and I have kids? When did I choose to get, when did I make this decision to be here, right? And then you have some people where there's like, this headaches, this tension, there's apathy. They have no desire to, the things that they wanted to do, they don't have any interest in doing anymore. And I want to, I want to acknowledge the fact that the pandemic has put some of these things, like we have some restrictions, right? If you want to keep our families healthy. So I want to honor that as well and what that shows on our bodies. So there's the physical symptoms, there's the emotional. And for those who believe in God or a higher power or anything, some people feel a disconnect between who they are and, 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 the, and, the, and God that they serve for this higher power because they're like, how can you allow this suffering to happen if you say you love us, if you want the good things for us. So some people disconnect from that as well because they don't trust that that thing has the highest good as well. So what I've heard you say is there's a physical manifestation, clenching jaw, racing heart, uh, lack of energy, but then there's that emotional component additionally or perhaps separately where it's a sense of disconnection, disinterest, unable to recognize oneself in the moment. So for women who are really feeling these sort of symptoms intensely, what kinds of things are women doing to exacerbate these issues? And then more importantly, 
what are some of the things that women can do to manage what they're feeling and experiencing right now with anxiety, burnout, depression? Those are great questions. Oh, the exact exasperation part. I think the first thing to to even get into that point is not listening to our bodies, which I guess goes back to we don't even know how to do that. Most people don't know how to do that. Most people don't know how to, and we're in a culture which calls women caretakers. So there's this historically, I I think, and I might be wrong. I think this is the first time that. We're actually calling attention to a way of being where you slow down to speed up. We've always been taught to keep moving and moving and doing, and especially when we're trying to make it in, in what we call a man's world, right? We're recognized by achievements. We have the hustle culture. We have burning the midnight candle. We have we, midnight oil. We have so many things that encourage us that if you keep doing, right, just a little more. You feel better about yourself. You be accepted more. You be respected. So there's the societal part that creates an environment for us to keep doing. So if we take the time to pause, first thing I, I always come back to, I always learn to identify where you're feeling your stress. Learn to identify where your ticks are. Yeah. Could you give some examples like how a woman might recognize where she's feeling the stress, especially for a woman that, to your point, is not listening to her body or might not be in tune with it? Yes. I think one of the easiest things is tiredness, like extreme fatigue. When we're tired and you, sometimes you're so tired, you can't rest. (laughs) It's almost like you're like, I know I'm tired, but I can't rest because my brain is moving at a thousand miles per hour. I am trying to do all the things. I'm trying to be a mother. I'm trying to be um, a business owner. I'm trying to rise up in a corporate ladder. I'm trying to get a new job. I'm trying to run a nonprofit. I'm trying to do, 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 but I don't know how to stop. My parents never, my mother never modeled to me how to stop. So it's how, if you, even if you don't know how to listen to your body, I encourage you to start noticing. Is it do you find yourself more in the physical symptoms where you have a, a constant headache, you have a migraine, you have your, your shoulders are so tense, you can't stretch, you don't know how to work out, you have gut issues, there's multiple physical, physical symptoms. And let me say that there could be medical reasons as well, but it's been shown that stress shows up in these ways, headaches, tension, headaches, migraines, tightness in the jaw, which is why I stated before gut issues, racing hard. Those are the first, those are some of the things that you can tell. And then there's the, we go back to the emotional piece where even if you can't feel it in your body, you can tell when you're tired. You can tell when your brain is not shutting down. You can tell when you're easily angered, like the smallest things annoy you. Someone says something and your reaction to it is way, (laughs) way more than warranted for the action that they they show. So that's, that's some of the ways of telling when you're nearing what I call you're nearing your empty, empty tank. I'll give this example. When we have calms, right? We can tell, we see when it's going down and we will, we would we'll stop, would rather stop in an unsafe neighborhood and fill our gas than get to a safe neighborhood, right? To fill the tank. Cause we know that if it stops, there's no way we're going anywhere. For us, I ask myself, why well, wouldn't do that for ourselves, right? 
why wouldn't we, if we're running on an empty tank, even if it's in the middle of the business week, if it is in the middle, if it's anything that's going to inconvenience someone, why wouldn't we stop and pause, right? It doesn't take that long to fill your tank, right? And you wash around, but you fill your tank, whatever it is, whether it's just $5 or $10, whether it's just like a quarter, fill it with just enough to get you to a place where you feel safe just being around there. Mm-hmm. And and if a woman doesn't stop and fill her tank, so she continues to experience stress, burnout, anxiety, depression, let's talk about what are some of the long-term effects that she may ultimately end up experiencing. I'll stick with the car metaphor and say, we all know no one's like no one likes to stop in the middle of the road where they don't know anyone. Call AAA or someone to come and help them, right? <laughs> it's scary, it's dangerous, it's we 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 try to avoid that. For women, and I speak from personal experience for this, I think I was in the right in the right race. And recently I got sick from COVID and, and then there were complications from it. And my body literally shut down. And I've seen it with people where it gets to a point where your brain just, sometimes you get so tired that you're in bed for days or what people often call the crash. So we work, 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 work. And then maybe we get to a Friday night and then we're out completely for the weekend. We have no energy to do anything. And then we rev it back up like Sunday night or Monday morning and keep going. So there's the crash, there's the burnout. There's also the effect it takes on our emotions and our relationships. We tend to be easily annoyed. We tend to not have time to invest in quality relationships with other people because we're so overwhelmed. We don't have time. We literally don't have time or space because we haven't created any to do any of the things that we love, to travel, to have. And those things usually balance the quality of life that you want to have. So if we don't pay attention to it in the beginning, think of it like a, a child that's throwing, throwing a tantrum. They start slowly. And if you don't listen, then the cries happen. And at that point, you're thinking, how do I get you to shut up? I think our bodies are the same. They start giving us little signals. And if we don't listen or pay attention, then the shutdown happens. Well, and Imitha, as I mentioned at Fierce Lab Live, you took us through a grounding exercise. And so as I'm hearing you talk about like that we have to recognize these moments and this need to refill our tank, I loved what you said, slow down to speed up. But I think about how chaotic, life is right now. And and in general, for a lot of women, whether we're in a pandemic or not, we have a lot of things on our plate. And so some women may be saying, Imifa, I don't have time to slow down. You don't know my life and what I've got going on. And so I want to go back to the grounding exercise that you did at Fierce Lab Live, which I would love for you to maybe talk about what that can look like for a woman. And then I will ask you if you have any other exercises beyond that, that a woman could do, because that, it didn't take a lot of time, but boy, I know that I felt a deep sense of calming from you creating that moment in that experience for us. So let's talk about what is that grounding exercise? Absolutely. So I learned that grounding exercise when, when I was working, when I, after I got sick, and I had to go back to work. And I wasn't physically healed enough to actually do my job. But I felt the need to go back to work because I had to. I had clients. I had events. I had things to do. 
And I noticed that every time my body would start to get overwhelmed or I would get start to get overwhelmed, I would sit down, plant, take my shoes off, really, plant my feet on the ground, and then I would go through a body scan. So I would start either from the top of my head or the crown of like the soles of my feet and imagine that I am firmly, like my feet are firmly planted on the ground and I'm taking up resources, nourishment from the ground into my body because it's the earth. Like the earth is everywhere. The earth is bountiful. It grows trees. So there's that, that if the earth can provide all these nourishment for these things that are living without anyone really tending to them, then surely one human being, it has to have enough resources to give me some, right? <laughs> and then there's also the other thought of the sky. Everyone sees the sky everywhere. So I also imagine that when I do need resources, I sit and there's a light that comes through the crown of my head and goes through all the parts of my being. So what I do is I imagine the white light coming through my crown and then I mention the different parts of my body. So I mention my forehead, eyes, cheeks, mouth, neck, shoulder, hands, arms, chest and heart, belly, lower belly, glutes, thighs, knees, calves, feet, and stop. Pause for two, three seconds. Allow that to go all the way through to the earth meeting the nourishment from the ground and then take more of the resources from the ground through my feet, my ankles, my calves, knees, thighs, glutes, abdomen, belly, chest and heart, my hands, my arms, my shoulders, neck and throat, jaw, mouth, cheeks, eyes, forehead, back up through the sky. And I take a deep breath and release. Wow. Wow. You did it again. You, you have this this ability, and I hope for those who are listening today that they took a moment and did that with you. That took maybe one minute, maybe, but a sense of refresh. And if you didn't, I would encourage you to rewind this podcast and do that grounding exercise with Imifa that she just led us through the the nourishment and the calm that i feel having gone through that that's powerful and it took one minute it took one minute and then it, it 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 gives you more space to do to be whatever it is it gives you more space to realize that okay one there's the fact that okay i i can't do this i can pause and for me the thing behind that is that i feel supported i feel like this something holding me from the sky, God, universe, whatever it is, and I walk on the ground. Think about it. The ground holds you everywhere you go. Regardless of where you walk, 
it, it holds you. So for me, it gives me extra resources, extra space that I am not alone in trying to figure out what I'm trying to do or whatever I'm working towards. So I'm supported and I have the space. And from this space, I can go out and do um, whatever it is I'm working towards, whatever that is being a mother or in your business, whatever, whatever it is for you in your world. And you mentioned something, yes, you mentioned something about the other resources. So I have a, a guide that I, I, I have on my website and I call it five things every woman needs to do to start their head day grounded. Breathwork is one of those. So some part of the breathwork that we just did was just the body scan and breathing through it. There's, either, there's other types of activating breathwork that usually helps with like clearing stored trauma in your body. That's the... Then there's, so there's breath work, then there's movement, I think is one of them. Movement can be anything. It can be working out, it can be walking, yoga, dancing, whichever form you take. Movement has a way of, well, that's the part that it wakes your body, the sweating. We know the benefits of exercise if you're into it. So movement is one of the tools that I have that I share with women. And then I have, so I have breath work. Meditation, oh no, meditation is the other one too. Meditation for me quiets me. The first time I started to meditate, I was, and then there's also this connotations to meditation when people hear it. For me, meditation is simply quieting down, slowing down. It's sitting still and observing your thoughts, but not attaching yourself to them. I think of thoughts as clouds that are passing in the sky. If we, if we wanted to keep the clouds in the sky and prevent them from moving, can you imagine how many, <laughs> how many things we would have in the clouds? There's no way they would move, right? So I think of thoughts during meditation, and it's hard when you start. I will, I will acknowledge that. It's just observing a thought, a thought and allowing it to pass. Or like, I'll give the example of a, a, a tide. Once it goes up, it has to come down. There's never been a tide that stayed all the way up and never come down. I think of thoughts during meditation as the same thing. The first few times your monkey mind is going to keep going, it's learning to observe them and let them pass. And slowing down, again, slowing down to speed up, it creates more space. It helps us make more decisions from an empowered place instead of a reactive place. So we are proactive, we are choiceful in our actions moving forward. And I use it in the morning, in the evening. I use it in the morning to wake me up. Okay, what, what, is, what am I, I know what my big goal is. What step do I need to take today to move towards that big goal? And then at night, I use it as, okay, it's time to go into sleep and trust my body's wisdom. Trust that as I go to sleep, I'll get what I need and wake up refreshed to do it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I want to make sure that we've captured all five of these tools, MFS. So you talked about breath work, movement, meditation, and then the last two are journaling and personal rituals. So let's touch on what those two are. Tell me more about journaling. Of course. Journaling for me is writing, recording anything, recording information, recording emotions, recording thoughts in the moment in any form. It can be writing, it can be video journaling, it can be recording sound, but finding a way to capture a situation, an emotion, an activity, so you can come back on it either to reflect or come back on it in a way when you're making a decision 
or come back to it when it's been. Those, and there's something very powerful I've learned about writing something or recording something, whether it's a vision, an intention, and coming back to it and seeing it fulfilled. I think it strengthens some part of your brain that believes that, okay, this is possible. I can do what I set my mind to if I, if I take these steps, correct? And then when it comes to processing emotions, I do this thing that I learned from Natalie McNeil, the founder of Coaching Evolved, which is a stream of consciousness writing, which is having meditating, listening to something or calming down and grounding through breath work, and then taking a question, a prompt, and just writing. So allowing the pen to float, not checking for grammar, not checking if it makes sense, anything like that, just allowing it to flow. And then when you're done, coming back and and looking at it, I use that to process my emotions. I've heard you say that you like to be carried by the wave instead of fighting against it. And that sounds a little bit like being in flow instead of fighting against life. Exactly. That is true. I know. I've, I've gone against the flow. I've fought. I've hustled to make things happen. And there's a way of being now, which is probably more feminine, I, 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 more receptive, more allowing, trusting that this wave that I'm on is going to carry me much further than if I try to swim against it, because we always know the tide always wins. <laughs> so from someone who doesn't swim, it's important to me. I've learned the importance of flow, ease, and going with the tide. And that's the same when it comes to stream of consciousness writing as well. I don't write from here. I don't write from my head. I don't write from my thinking. I tap into my emotions. I tap into what either the inner child or the outer child wants to say, which is not filtered by the adult version of me. Because usually that's where most of my, my source of learning comes from. Because if I give them room to speak through writing, sometimes if my inner child is, comes to write, I write with my left and I write like a kid. I look at the words, I'm like, oh, this is like a five and six-year-old writing. <laughs> it's actually pretty magical. So that's, that's the ways that I use journal and help my, my clients with it as well. And then let's touch quickly on what you mean by personal rituals. What is that? Personal rituals comes from my personal belief that I don't know anything. I don't know everything in the world. People have their own wisdom. People have their own practices. People modify these things in ways that best serve them. So when I say personal rituals, that encompasses anything that you know you do for yourself that I haven't mentioned in any of these four categories, whether that's spending time with your family, healthy meals, traveling, Whatever it is that helps you to pause and trust the wisdom of your being, I put all of that into that. The, the reason why I put that in there is because I strongly believe everyone comes into this world knowing their own wisdom. Some people just need guidance, remembering what that is or having that reflected to them. So personal rituals includes anything that you do or that any woman does that helps them come back into the moment, helps them to slow down helps them take care of their mental health and move that from a space of mental health to mental wealth. And from that place, add self-care, whatever their day looks like. Mm -hmm. For me, that happens to be getting up very early, somewhere between 4.15 and 5.15, making a cup of coffee and sitting at the kitchen table in complete silence and alone, reading the paper, and then it's a pause. 
the pa- I'm done with the paper, but I'm not yet checking email and getting on social media. And I, I hold space for me to kind of think and, and really get in flow as you talk about. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I'd be curious to hear what other people's weights, personal rituals are. <laughs> I'm always, <laughs> I'm always looking to learn um, more ways that people just aren't in the world. So I'd be I'd curious to know that. Also, when at Fierce Lab Live, you talked about having an imaginary toolkit. And I just think that this is such a phenomenal concept. So would you speak to what your imaginary toolkit is and what is in that <laughs> kit? How, how do you use this? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm laughing because that term came to me when I was doing, I was journaling with something and I was, I think I was in a coaching session with Natalie as well. And I was going back to work after being away for like six months. And I said to him, like, oh, I wish I could have something to take with me where if I realize, if I notice the symptoms that we talked about, right, I can reach into this bag and pull something from it, right? Just like if I was hungry and I had a bag that had like a protein bar in it and I don't have time to have a full meal, I can just take this protein bar and eat it and I'll be fine until I actually sit down to eat. And I was like, oh, I could have a, a toolkit, an imaginary toolkit where I could make it as fancy as I want it. No one sees it. I can carry that around with me. It doesn't have to be heavy because I can switch it out. So I created one. That's how my my toolkit came to be. And in some retrospect, I think I've always had one. I just never really named it. And something very powerful happened when I named it because, again, it gave me more space. It gave me more resources. It made me feel... It made me feel more present. It made me feel more grounded and likely less to be overwhelmed because I know that even if no one sees it, I can reach to it, whether it's just breathing, pausing and breathing for like two seconds before I respond to something someone is saying, that's a tool. Whether it's asking for permission and saying that, hey, can I think about this when someone makes a request and I can't, I can't respond? Just saying, can I think about this and give you a response? That is a tool. When I'm tired, giving myself permission, if I, even if I make plans with someone to go out with them and I notice that I have nothing to give, giving myself permission and honoring them in their time by saying, hey, I don't think that I'll be truly present for our meeting or our conversation today. Can we re- reschedule? That is a tool. And whether it's like any of the five things we talked about, breathwork, meditation, all those are tools. But the thing about the toolkit that I think makes it such a, an exciting thing for me is the little things, right? It's like, even if I don't use anything in my toolkit, I imagine my toolkit telling me, it's okay. You didn't have time to react, to reach out and grab something to ask. It's okay. We'll come, we'll, we'll, we'll live to fight another day, so to speak. So it's a very dynamic thing that I keep with me, that I take with me. It's ever evolving. It's ever changing. And I take with me everywhere. Sometimes if you... If you meet me in person, you'd actually see me probably literally moving towards my right. And I don't know why I move towards my right. It's almost like I'm reaching for something or listening for something. And that's how, that's also one of the ways that I'm trying to reach for something or guidance or intuition. All of those are included in my, my invisible toolkit. <laughs> I like that. And I was going to share, I have a couple of items that are in my invisible toolkit. When you talked about 
like language that you use with people, like, you know, may I think about that and get back to you. When someone asks a question that's none of their business, my, my item in my toolkit there is, why do you ask? Putting it back on them, short and sweet. Why do you ask? Oh, I'm putting that for those who can't see. I'm actually reaching to the screen. I'm putting that in my toolkit as well. The other thing that is in my toolkit is, and this comes from my days in a sales role. So in my early 20s, I learned this technique. When you ask someone a difficult question, or in your mind, it's a difficult question, and you feel compelled to continue to elaborate, instead, I visualize that I put a dinner roll in my mouth, like a whole roll. And you can't, you can't speak when you've got a whole dinner roll stuffed in your mouth. And so I will literally, if you ever see me do it, similar to how you turn to your right, I might like kind of clamp down. It might almost look like I took a big gulp of air, but in my head, I'm visualizing stuffing a dinner roll in my mouth so that I give you space to answer. That's, That's fascinating. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. You <laughs> dinner roll. There you go. A dinner roll in my toolkit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Imifa, at the top of this conversation, you and I were speaking about manifestation. And I want to move into that as we start to wrap up our discussion today, because you indicated that you manifested being on this podcast and really being a part of the Fierce Lab community. So you attended Fierce Lab Live in 2019. You were also part of one of our focus groups that year. And you shared with me that after you left the live event, you made a promise to yourself. Would you share that information? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So yeah, so I was part of the focus group and I think Adele Jackson and Amber Dodowitz were in uh, on the stage. And I remember watching them and I said to myself, I was like, I can do this. I, I, I have enough where I could do this. And it wasn't from a place, it wasn't from a self-gratifying place. It was like, what I have to say will be of service to women in this room. It was this very calming. And I had lunch and I met Cami and I was having a conversation with her. And I told her where I work, which was Fagan. And we went through the, some of the tools. And she's like, you should be on stage. I was like, I will. Fast forward, <laughs> 2020. We know what happened in 2020. I had more time. I got sick. We had a conversation. And I had lunch with Tammy. She was like, you know, Tara is looking for speakers. So you should absolutely um, <laughs> apply to speak. And I did. And here we are. I spoke at the event and then here I am recording this in this podcast. And I think I mentioned something also about manifesting being in the Coaching Evolved movie and how my business got started. And people use different words to describe what I'm saying, which is having a vision, being committed to the vision and seeing it come to pass. There's a scripture, not to get Christians, a scripture, I think it's, I remember, I forget what it says, but in the Bible, it says that write it down. It says, for the vision is yet unto an appointed time. And it's, it's something powerful about writing it down, which goes back to journaling, coming back and seeing it happen. There's like a process, a whole process that I have around, <laughs> around stuff like that. Well, 
I appreciate that you shared that because you're right. You said having a vision, being committed to it, and then seeing it through. Um, with this being the new year and we talk about 2022 being your fiercest you, we are really thinking about goal setting and manifestation is a part of that. And you can't set a goal if you don't have a vision for yourself. So I think that's a really great step. Step one, have a vision for what you want. Step two, commit yourself that you're going to work toward that vision. And then three, stay true to it and see it through. And I think something that I would add to the staying true and seeing it through goes back to your point about being in flow. I think you have to be flexible when you have a vision of what you want your life to be, to recognize that it is going to evolve. And there are going to be times where you're going to have to flow with the changes and recognize, you you mentioned it, that you believe that that the universe or God is, is carrying you through. You said you don't care about the how, you know your why, and you believe that God or the universe will help you get to the how. And so being in flow, so have a vision, being committed, and seeing it through. Sound to me like your steps for manifestation. Yes. And if I may add something, one of the things that I've learned and working with clients is I think being clear on your why, your core values, your purpose, your end goal is very vital because when I pass and when I have an opportunity or when I'm taking a step, right, I ask myself, these are the questions I ask myself. Is this moving towards my core values? And the end goal, or is this moving away from it? So if it's a speaking opportunity, it's a client, it's something that I'm writing on my social media pages, I always ask myself through this lens, is this going towards the goal of serving women, whatever that form looks like on whichever stage of my life it looks like? Is this towards that goal? Is the, and then the other question is, is this dimming who I am and how I'm showing up in the world? right? Or is this shining who I am and creating more space so I can open doors for other people to come through as well? And the third question that I ask myself is, is this, make, is this expansive? Do I feel the expansion in my body? Is my heart elated? Am I feeling, you know, am I feeling like I'm living in alignment with this chosen thing or this value? Or is there restriction or constriction, which is can be fear? Both of those could be by Tara Moore of Playing Big talks about two types of, of fear, Yura and Pakad. Yura is when you're moving towards something bigger than yourself. And Pakad is restrictive part, which is like, this has happened before. So it's don't do this again because you're going to be hurt. So those are the other questions. Those are the questions that I ask myself. And if they're in alignment and they're moving me towards shining or expansive, then let's go. Let's do it. Whatever happens, I release that because I can't control the outcome. I can just listen and take the step and then the rest, whatever is for the good of all involved, is what's going to happen. Am I moving toward my goals? Is this dimming where I'm trying to go? 
And does this make things more expansive? I love those three questions. That is great. And such a great filter for women to put their own objectives through and actions through. Emma said, this has been a beautiful conversation and I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. And thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience and your techniques with the Fierce Lab community. But I don't want to let you go without getting to the one question that I ask all guests. And I want to know, what does the word fierce mean to you? Fierce to me means being present. It means aligning myself with my highest good. It means serving myself first and my community, always through the lens of playfulness. It means allowing. It means standing firm in your truth and living it unabashedly. I love that, especially your part aligning to your highest good. That's beautiful and not an answer that we've received before. (laughs) Thank you for your time. Thank you for being present for me here, being present for our community and, and giving to us so openly and warmly. It's been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you, Tara. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a physical representation of what it means to follow one's purpose and be open to wherever the the wave carries you. So thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.